You're listening to Sports Connections with David Smale, the show that brings you a fun and intimate look into connections throughout sports. Now here's your host, David Smale. Colin Klein was not highly recruited out of high school in Loveland, Colorado, choosing Kansas State over Air Force, Colorado State, and Utah. But he proved the rankings wrong as a Heisman Trophy finalist following his senior year. He's tied for 19th in all-time rushing touchdowns in FBS history, fifth among quarterbacks. Despite his success, he was not, or he was invited to the NFL Combine as a tight end. He wanted to play quarterback, and he was invited to one NFL and one CFL training camp. Didn't make either roster, so he focused on coaching, where the climb up the ladder was expected to be steep. But Colin immediately joined the K-State coaching staff, and other than one season as quarterbacks coach for Northern Iowa, he's been with the staff ever since. He's the lone holdover from Bill Snyder's staff, and this past offseason, he was promoted to offensive coordinator by head coach Chris Kleiman. Colin, welcome to Sports Connections. Great to be here. Thank you. So why has K-State been such a good fit for you, both as a player and as a coach? You know, I, I think it, it really comes down to uh, the people and the value system here. Um, you know, when I was getting recruited, it, it stood out among a lot of the other places that, that I had visited. And, and it was the family feel. It was, it was the welcoming, uh, I want to do everything I can to help you uh, attitude from everyone. It was the coaching staff. It was the community. It was the academic staff. And uh, all of that there being while, hey, we're going to compete for championships, we're going to compete at the highest level and, and, um, you know, and, and no one's going to tell us what, you know, what we can and can't do, you know, and and kind of that mindset and attitude was something that I had. And and like you said, was not a very highly recruited kid, um, you know, but, but knew and that I wanted to play and compete at the highest level and do it at a place that, uh, that valued, uh, that servant leadership model. And, And it's, it's been a, uh, it's been a, an amazing place for me and my family and, and the people and relationships that we've built. And um, it, it, it's an amazing place. I was going to ask you about, uh, about that. And I think you touched on it with your last point there. You know, every school will say, you know, it's a family atmosphere and every recruit will say, I felt so much at home here and, and things like that. Talk about the, the difference in K-State now as, as somebody on the other end as a recruiter you can talk about the family atmosphere and what sets it apart. I think you touched on it with the servant leadership idea there. There's no doubt. And it's, it's always the little, the little things that make the biggest differences and everyone can talk about it, but what are the little things that you are doing for those people that you come in contact with? And that's uh, as a coach, it's your players, it's your sports staff, it's fans, it's, I mean, everyone and no different recruiting and, and no different when you're out and about in your normal life. You know, there's certain people that just treat people differently for some reason, you know, and and uh, obviously number one for me is my faith and the value that God has placed on every individual. Uh, but then the cult being part of a culture and organization, a place that matches that value system is special. And, and when people actually do that and put action behind those words. Uh, stuff happens. And, and that's, uh, you know, it, it, it's really cool. Obviously, Chris Kleiman has done that same thing, and which is why you stayed uh, after Coach Snyder left. Talk about how Chris has just basically picked up with that put others first attitude. 
Well, he's he is uh, he's an unbelievably caring person. He is very genuine and and really goes over the top to try to connect on that level with everyone and and has a great level of personal touch and and uh, you know that's that's a fit here you know and, and has been a fit and, and something that I really um, have appreciated and, and felt uh, for sure on my end and and uh, you know he's a competitor as well and so you put those two together and that's uh, why he's been able to have so much success. Was there ever any difficulty in the transition coaching under coach Schneider and coach Kleiman. I mean, you were the only one, there were a couple at first. And then I think it was Blake Seiler who moved on something else before that first season. So you were the lone holdover. Was there ever any discomfort there in that situation? Or were you warmly received by the rest of the staff? You know, I, I was very, I feel very blessed. I, I didn't feel, um, you know, I felt a, a part of the team really from the jump. You know, I don't, I don't feel like they, I had a lot to learn that was just different than how we'd done things before and not necessarily good or bad, just different that, you know, or kind of your own getting used to new processes and, and new structures and things. But, um, you know, I, uh, every, every member of the staff was, has been so good to me and, and very fortunate to, to have worked with them. Um, now, even though Chris is the head coach, many people, including Chris, have said things like that Colin Klein is the face of K-State football. How does that make you feel? I mean, it's it's a tremendous honor. I mean, I again, it's I appreciate um, just just so grateful for again everything that this place has has done for me and my family, and the opportunity that it is ultimately God provided through this place. Um, you know, and, and want to contribute and give back and make it as good as we possibly can in, in every aspect that, that we have control over, right? And, and I think um, I appreciate, you know, everyone and, and everyone's appreciation for the different phases that I've been allowed to have to be a part of as a player, a graduate assistant, support staff coach, and then obviously now as a coordinator in a coordinator role, but at the end of the day, it's about trying every day to be the best we can be serving the people that we're around and, and, and moving forward one day at a time. And so uh, it's a tremendous honor, but it, it doesn't change anything because it's not, that's not what's important. It, it's kind of funny. I, I, I interviewed Chris recently for a podcast and I kind of danced around it a little bit. And when I asked him what he saw in you, he said, I don't remember exactly his wording, but he said something like, well, Chris is the face of K-State football. I mean, uh, Colin is a place of K-State football. So he, he is aware of the impact you had in that fan base and in that community that, and he, I don't think he's the least bit intimidated by that. He sees you as an asset to his program there. Uh, and that's got to make you feel good that he's not, you know, perplexed at all about how to deal with somebody who may be more popular than he is. <laughs> well. You know, it's credit his, again, security and, and his vision and caring about the place. And, and it's not about him. And he he emphasizes that, but he lives it, you know, and it's not he never says it's his program. He never says it's, you know, whatever, because it's none of ours. K-State is, um, you know, it's it's bigger and has a reach and, and will have has 
the ability to have the impact with the right people in the right places to uh, to do some amazing, amazing things. And that has nothing to do with any one of us, but all of us. And, and I think um, I've certainly respected that a lot and, and appreciated that a lot. And, and I know he knows and feels that I'm coming at it from the same way. So it's not, you know, uh, however that, you know, whatever that looks like at that day or opportunity or whatever we need to get done. It's, yeah, I want to do it for him and K-State, and I know he wants to do it for me. So it's it's a good it's a good working relationship. Yeah, for sure. Now you've moved up the coaching ranks pretty quickly. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how. I think you're still in your 20s, maybe 30. 32. Yeah, I'm I'm getting a little older. Oh man, <laughs> you make me feel old, buddy. Um, but still, 32 to be an offensive coordinator in a Power Five. Uh, what's your ultimate goal in coaching? I would love to be a head coach someday. You know, I would love to, uh, I love the strategy. I love the working with people. I love leading people. I love being able to pull all that together that as you have to do as a head coach, for sure. Um, having to do that now is as, as a coordinator, right? There's more yeah. uh, leadership responsibility, you know, in that phase, but uh, truly whatever's in the Lord's timing, whatever, however it is supposed to happen, it will happen. Uh, truly trying to truly dominate each opportunity each day as it comes across your plate to uh, to really maximize the opportunity and ability God's given. And if that means I'm never a head coach, if that means I'm a head coach in five years, never, I mean, it don't matter to me because it's yeah. about impacting people, being excellent, and, and making this place right now as, as good as we can make it. All right, let's talk about your new role. Uh, what is your offensive philosophy? And, and K-State fans that tune into this and, and probably KU fans that are ruining the fact of how good you guys looked against LSU, you probably don't want to give away too many secrets, but what's your offensive philosophy? No, we're, we're going to have to be multiple, which isn't that much different than what we've been really for a very, very long time. I mean, we are going to have to create schematic advantage with – formations, personnels, and formation adjustments. And, you know, being able to do that, um, we're going to have to be balanced. I mean, it's not going to be a, hey, we're going to be pass heavy. We're going to be run heavy. We have to win the line of scrimmage and be able to run the football. Now, what does that mean? What does that percentage shake out? It's going to be a little bit different every week. Um, you know, we got to find, and, and that was something that I and we really tried to do a lot even this last year is try to find creative ways to get Deuce on the football, right? And our, and our, not only him, but our other playmakers and, and allowing them to, to be able to make those plays. And, um, you know, I think uh, uh, power spread type situation where we're going to be in multiple formations, winning the line of scrimmage, utilizing some of the quarterback option read game and, and quarterback run game that we've done for a long, long time here and, and still keeping the nuts and bolts of, you know, what, uh, what we've done here the last couple of years, because there's, you know, it's, uh, it's never one thing. A lot of times it's, it's a couple of little things. And I think being able to tweak some of those little things and tighten things down while still keeping some of those good guts, um, I, I think is, is definitely to our advantage. So, um, you know, every team is different. Every, right. Uh, every year is a little different, so we will probably morph and grow and change a little bit with our personnel. But 
you know, we have to be in a, we have to be in attack mode as an offense. You know, we can't, yeah, we're trying to score one more than they do, but that's easier when you score a lot, you know? Uh, so, uh, you know, we need to have that mindset as an offense that, you know, Hey, we're going to go, we got to try to go win this game, you know, and, and do it by scoring points and, and put the thing on our shoulders. And, and then, yeah, our defense is going to play great. And special teams going to lift us, but, uh, you know, we got to we got to take that ownership as an offense. One of the things that's that's a criticism of every offense, and we certainly here in Kansas City, we certainly see it with the Chiefs, uh, is taking the foot off the gas when you're up 21-3 in the first half. What is your philosophy uh, about, you know, keeping keeping the attack going even with a big lead? Well, it's you got to have a really good feel for your team. You got to have a really good feel for the game because, you know, any of us guys talking about past games and situations like that, well, how did it turn out? And then, yeah, it was the right decision. You know, that's the armchair quarterback on things. You can look back and be like, well, what if the Chiefs had been aggressive and had three turnovers and all of a sudden everyone's saying, well, well you got a free sport lead. Why aren't you being more conservative? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's no different than, you know, in any game. And so you just got to have a really good feel. And, and as a team player wise, you got to be really mentally tough to, to play like it's zero, zero, regardless of if you're up by 50 or down by 50, you know, and that's a, I mean, that psychological uh, burden, so to speak, when you're up, um, it's hard not to play with that, you know, and, and get tense and try not to lose the game and everything that goes with that. But uh, so you got to be mentally tough you know, from a player standpoint as a group. And then, you know, as a play caller and as a, as a coaching staff, you got to have a really good feel because there's times that it's going to go both ways. There's times, Hey, we got to be, Hey, our defense is playing great. We got to be conservative here. And, and yeah, it's, we got to be conservative. And then there's other times that, Hey, we, we got to keep this, keep this thing opened up and, and humming and, and us and our players have to be in that relationship to be on the same page, however path you end up having to take. And, and it's, it's kind of a long answer to your question, but I, I think it's truly the truth because there's not one. I mean, it's not my philosophy. It's not anyone else's. You can be wrong on that day. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Yeah. I mean, if you're playing the Chiefs, a 21 point lead is not safe until there's like four seconds left on the in the fourth quarter. Right. <laughs> right. All right. And, you know, and, and either either side of that coin can bite you in the rear and, and, and be a bad deal. And then you give people something to talk about on Monday. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want to ask you one more thing about your coaching philosophy. And you talked about the fact that the, the you know, the quarterback run being a big part of that. Uh, I hate to tell you this, but you don't have a Colin Klein at quarterback who can run through and over people like you used to do. So how does, how do you have to adapt to whether it's uh, the transfer Adrian Martinez from Nebraska or Jake Rubley or, you know, Will Howard different, all of them have different skills. How do you how do you have to adapt your philosophy to the skill set of whoever ends up being the number one? No doubt. Well, I, I think it's um, there's lots of different ways to try to create that plus one, you know, and, and different defensive structures make it easier or harder to try to create that in, in, in different ways, you know. And, and I don't think we don't we don't we don't want to run anybody. 20, 25 times a game. That was a, that was a microcosm of a, of a situation of some roster stuff and, and timing and it worked. And then we just kept rolling, you know, I mean, you'd ask and you're me probably still sore, aren't you? 
<laughs> I'm, I'm getting over it a little bit, but uh, <laughs> finally, but, you know, I mean, if you'd asked me, Hey, before my 2011 season, you know, Hey, you're going to run it 316 times. I'd have been like, you know, what, what world are you living in? You know what I mean? Cause that wasn't part of, it wasn't the plan going in. Right. You know, it started working. And like I said, there was lots some other factors that were going into it and it worked and, and, and we made it happen. But, um, you know, so, I mean, it's, but we got to have the threat of that plus one, whether it's different run pass option opportunities, whether it's uh, some type of read type game where it's not just a totally designed keeper. And then he's got to keep him on his five to eight times a game, you know, and, and it's not uh, to me, I think the ability of the quarterback to, extend plays you don't have to be a dual threat guy to extend plays and keep it alive with your arm or control an edge and if they totally discredit you get eight to you know whatever it happens to be but my point in that is you know that'll change by the year but we have to find ways to to try to get that plus one i want to talk about the the texas bowl in your mind was the texas bowl an audition for the offensive coordinator position uh, I mean, I, I think every, every day was, was an audition, you know, quite honestly, but it, it wasn't, uh, coach Kleiman did a great job of, uh, again, because his focus is the team. My focus was the team. Mm-hmm. We were trying to, we were trying to play as well as physically possible and be as prepared as we could for LSU. And, and I, you know, he didn't really we didn't, we had dialogue about what we were doing and how the plan was coming together and, and some of our issues and things like that. But I was never in a big picture, like, Hey, how am I doing? Or like, what, like whatever. Cause it wasn't about that. We had seniors and players that were counting on us as coaches to do our job and make sure that we were greased up and, and ready to go for that bowl game. And that's all that mattered. And, and I knew and had trust that coach was going to make the best decision for the program my way or not, because that had nothing to do with it. It's again, it's not about me. Mm-hmm. And, and however the Lord worked it out and it would happen, it would happen. And so I really had a lot of freedom in my heart of, hey, I'm going to do my best I possibly can for my teammates, for my fellow coaches, for my players and, and whatever happens, let it fall where they might, but we're going to be in attack mode and, and try to do everything we can to make it as good a game as we can play. And uh, our players did it and they did, they came together hard circumstances. It doesn't matter how it goes. There's transition, there's, you know, uncertainty in, in that way. And, mm-hmm. and they responded and came together as a group rallied around us as coaches. And, and we were able to finish strong, which is, that was the goal. I looked for you after the game, I was able to cover the game for uh eight ten sports radio, eight ten, And so I was down there getting sound. I was down in the tunnel after Chris, came and met with the media and Skyler and Deuce met with the media. And then we got some players coming out and I stuck around a little while longer to, you know, to see if I could see you as an old friend to be, to say congratulations, because those of us in the media thought this was the audition and you couldn't do a better audition than 42 points against an LSU team, even though they were down a little bit, their defense was pretty much intact. And you guys really took it to him. So I, I, I really had hoped to see you there. Sorry, I couldn't. So I'm offering congratulations now. But here's the interesting thing to me, Colin. I asked Chris about that in that podcast. Was it an audition? And he said it was an audition, but the game itself was not. It was the preparation leading up to it. 
It was the how you got your players on the same page. It was how you communicated with the assistants under you. It was, it was the whole process. Did he communicate that with you? You know, he, yes, at first he, he had said, he goes, you know, I don't want you putting too much pressure on yourself that, Hey, it's, you know, this is, this is the shot kind of a thing. It's like, no, just be yourself, you know, don't do anything outside yourself. Right. And, and have fun with it and get after it. And that was a whole month process, you know, so it wasn't, you know, but I mean, I felt not pressure, just a sense of urgency to play well and, and, and to, to get after those guys, you know, I mean, I don't, it wasn't about what happened afterwards. We were trying to score a hundred, you know, and, yeah. and, and I had that mindset all that whole month. They our players had that mindset and you have to offensively have that mindset, uh, you know, to play like that. And, you know, and, and I think it was fun for them and they kind of got that taste in their mouth, even through the practice part of, you know, hey, every day we got to go out there like, you know, we're, we're trying to go score 100, you know, and, and it's and yes, we will do that in a flow, in a complementary fashion, in all the multiplicity of, of what we do. But um, so I, I had a lot of fun with that. But there was a sense of urgency, no doubt. But it wasn't that, hey, I'm going to get the job or not. It was, hey, we, we got to play well, you know, and, and we got to do it for each other and finish. And, and, and it worked out. What kind of reaction have you gotten around Manhattan? Obviously, you're fairly well known in the community. You're active in church and things like this. What kind of a reaction? If people come up and said, I am so glad you got the job. I mean, they're, they're fans of K-State first, obviously. And so they're happy because they think it's going to be good for the program. But what kind of a response have you gotten personally from fans uh, about your promotion? You know, everyone has been so, so gracious and so kind and, and, you know, again, we're very honored and, and to have a lot of connections and, and have a lot of history here, which is uh, something we don't take for granted and, and, and we appreciate very, very much. I think uh, to me, though, again, it's it has appreciated. It's it's amazing. And, and I thank everyone that has sent a note or a, uh, congratulations or in person or whatever. But truly, it is. It, it, it's about our players. It's about our program. And and ultimately now striving every day to, to, to make it the best that we possibly can and, uh, and, and get better every day, you know, and, and that's a, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's easy to, to have one good game, one good play, but how, how do you truly stack and put together, you know, an effort of an entire season, an entire off season? That's, that's the challenge of it, you know, and, and that's, that's what we're facing now. And, and, uh, you know, it's, you can't call a bad play in February, you know, what I mean? <laughs> so, 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 so we got, I mean, we got a lot of work to do. We got a lot of hurdles to cross and, and I would tell every single one that, that congratulates me that, Hey, this is just the beginning of a long journey with, there's going to be some ups and downs and, and know that we're going to be working our butts off to try to make it as, as good as we can. But it's, uh, this is just the start of the start of a journey. One aspect we haven't talked about yet, and I've I've been told that this is really where you've earned your stripes as much as anywhere else, and that's in recruiting. How have you been successful at recruiting? And, and I guess part of that question is how much of your own playing career at K-State do you use in the recruiting process? 
Uh, I, I think it allows and gives insight uh, to a perspective. But uh, again, it's about building relationships. It's about finding the right people that are catching your vision, catching a feel for your culture, and then attracting those like-minded people. Um, you know, but it's uh, it's getting harder and harder in, in today's world, quite honestly. Um, you know, and it's not, no one is going to put their trust in you because of your great player or not. It's because, hey, do you develop that trust and earn that trust? Are you able to maintain that trust and, and spark that belief in them that, hey, you know, that that coach is going to be able to be the one that can help grow me in every aspect of my life the very, very best. And, and uh, you know, hopefully we attract uh, the right the right players that catch that vision, you know, and that are not into it for a lot of superficial reasons that uh, are out there right now, you know. And, and so that's that's what we're trying to sell and be genuine in who we are. And, and uh, you know, it's not about stars. It's not about recruiting class rankings. It's you know, and I'm a testament to that. It's about who's going to be the right players that are the right fit that want to come in and do things the right way. And and that's who we need to find. That's who we're looking for. And so uh, whether people think I can recruit or not is, is, is irrelevant. It's about are we doing the things as a program that are going to attract those type of guys. And if we do that, we'll be successful. Thinking specifically of Jake Rubley, who's from near your area, not exactly, but for those of us in Kansas, if you're from Colorado, your neighbors, uh, it's just like everywhere else thinks all of, you know, when they find out I'm from Kansas, they say, do you know Dorothy? You know, and Dorothy, <laughs> Dorothy lived 500 miles from me, but did, was the Colorado connection in, in any way did that help you in recruiting Jake? Oh, I think it did just because we were both aware of kind of where each other came from. Right. Uh, yeah. But, you know, he was a national kid that had a lot of opportunities and I think he was, he was one of those players that caught the vision, had the feel and, and, you know, has worked hard and has gotten better every day he's been here. And, and uh, you know, those are the guys that I, I want to go to war with for sure. You mentioned in the, with the last question about relationship, I want you to talk about your relationship with Skylar Thompson. And it, to me, the fact that he came back for his sixth year, which was obviously allowed with the NCAA rules, but he not only came back, but he came back and changed his number to your number seven there. I don't, I can't remember many times I've seen that where a guy changes his number in his senior year to re, to talk, to basically uh, represent hit one of his coaches, his offensive coordinator, his quarterbacks coach, just talk about your relationship with Skyler. Well, it's uh, you know, it, it's very rare in today's world that you're able to coach a player for five years, you know, and, and yeah. uh, we had that opportunity and, and because of that and a lot of the ups and downs that, that we were together through really, uh, it's so much bigger than even football and, and on the field, you know, from a life standpoint, from a faith standpoint, from a, uh, maturity and growth standpoint. I mean, he is, he has helped me learn and grow in every single one of those areas as much as I hope I was able to have him grow in those areas. And I think, um, that's special, you know, and, and, and being able to have that and both of us have that, uh, that's something you can't put a, put a price tag on and we'll have forever, you know, long after he's done playing and long after I'm done coaching. So it's, uh, uh, it's so unique. It's so special to do at a place that we both care about so much and, um, you know, and to have 
you know, a player like him to have coached him is, is a tremendous honor on the field as well. I mean, there were, um, you know, he was, he made a lot of things look easy, you know, that, uh, you know, and, and obviously there's, there were ups and downs and, on his career, like there always are, but handling the adversity that the way he did and, um, you know, staying true to himself, his teammates and, and our program is, is admirable. Tell us about when he told you he wanted to change his number and what was your reaction when he, he said that to you? Oh, I was pumped. I was pumped. I knew, I knew cause I recruited him. So I remember him wearing it in high school. So I knew, and I told him from the beginning, I said, you look better in seven, but it took me a while to reprogram my head because I'd always called him 10 for so long. You know, I had to yeah. had to reprogram myself a little bit. But I was so happy for him and honored that he, he wanted to do that. Not that he even did it because of me, but just because of, you know, like I said, his history with it and, and to fall in line with those of us that have it. It's really cool. I hate to break this to you, but he's gone. He's <laughs> Six years is probably enough. Are you excited or worried about the quarterback position heading into 2022? We talked about the three guys, and maybe there's maybe there's some other guys that I'm not thinking of, but the three guys who are most likely uh, going for QB1. Well, I'm very excited. I think uh, um, every single one of them are extremely high character. They do things the right way in every aspect of their life. I don't worry about um, – how they handle their business, how they treat people or anything. Uh, they are phenomenal young men, um, continuing to push them in that way. And, and all of them are very talented, different skill sets, but very talented and, and, uh, they're hungry. I mean, it, you know, it's a, it's different. I've been in a room when you have a, when you have a, uh, experienced player that has played as much as Skylar has, and he leaves a room like that, you immediately feel as a, as a younger player in that room, because we can say, all of a sudden that load gets real. Um, hey, someone's got to carry the load, you know? Yeah. And, and so uh, it's great. They're ready. They're ready to work at it. I don't know how it's all going to go down, but you know what? Um, I'm excited and, and uh, happy to go through it with them. And, and I know they're going to give me and our team everything they got, and, and that'll be enough. I know you wouldn't tell me if you did, but uh, or who it is if you have it, but do you have a front runner in your mind? I think this guy is going to be – the guy or is spring ball going to determine it completely? No, I, I think it'll even go into the summer and the fall, quite honestly. You know, I think uh, so it's it'll be a day to day process. It really will. Uh, we got to get all of them better. I mean, you know, we, we can't have uh, just one. I mean, you need you need definitely two and most likely three because we've needed we've needed it. And, and it's it's about being ready when your team is in need and being able to answer the bell. So it's a. Uh, uh, they're studying hard, and and I'm I'm really excited. So that's good. Th those of us who follow the cats are a little worried, but if you're excited, we're excited. Okay. Uh, I like to I like to wrap up with with two things with all of my guests. With you specifically, I'm excited about this next one because I know your wife, and I know you know I know your family. But talk about your family. I mean. It's faith, family, football in that order. And they are, uh, my wife is unbelievable. And, and her support and um, love and counsel through all the ups and downs, you know, daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, uh, wouldn't be able to do it without her. And, and the Lord has been so good to me, making sure that I, we were together through it all, um, you know, and 
trying to love the people that we come across and, and love on our boys and, and again, try to instill in them the, the, uh, the what's most important seeds in life that our, both of our parents did to us and, and uh, give it everything we got every day. And, and so fortunate and blessed to, to be going through all this with them and, and with her. And, uh, you know, for for the, let me interrupt you here, Colin. For those who don't know, you are married to a former K-State basketball player, Shailen Spaney, whose dad was an All-American football player at K-State as well. So in case people forgot that or didn't know, uh, your boys have some pretty athletic genes in them. Uh, so talk about your boys. Well, we've got three. We've got uh, Barrick is three and a half and uh, smart as a whip, witty and, and just an absolute joy. Rhett is our 18-month-old. And, uh, you know, he might have some Grandpa Spaney in him. He's got He's, he's, he's a thick sucker now. And, he, <laughs> uh, you know, he lives hard. I mean, he's bouncing into things and bouncing right up and, uh, you know, he runs things over. He doesn't go around anything. So then, uh, our little one Trek is seven months and, uh, he's, he's a little angel. I think he might have mom's heart right now, but, uh, <laughs> it, it's all good. Everybody's healthy and, and extremely blessed. Well, I, I get updates. I stay with Devin and April went when I come to Manhattan. So I get I get updates about the family. I have to go to the games to get updates about you, but I go I get updates about your family uh, from Devin and April. So I like yeah. to wrap up with this, Colin. Uh, excuse me, still a young guy, still in the process. But what is your legacy? Shoot, I, I think it's it's the uh, the people you're able to impact every day. And ultimately, that if they felt um, that there was something different from a God heavenly perspective that that they were able to walk away with and and know that I loved them and care about them, yeah, I cared about them, uh, and did everything I could to to serve those around me. That's that, that's the most important thing, and that starts from the inside out uh, with my family, my wife, my kids, and and then everyone I come in contact here. And that's whatever that looks like. I'm I'm good with it. It's always good to catch up with you. I've, you know, I've followed you for more than 10 years now and, and stayed close with you. And that's great. And hope to connect with you sometime when I come to Manhattan. Sounds great, David. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks for listening to Sports Connections with David Smale. Make sure to subscribe, follow, and rate the show from your favorite podcast platform. You can learn more about David Smale and his work by visiting davidsmalebooks.com. Don't forget to join us weekly for new episodes. Until next time.